All right, so here's another question. This is a good one. How do you guys, Brian and Aaron, Good Line Podcast, how do you guys personally avoid sin? What are your strategies? It's a really good question. Um, one of the things that I really deeply believe in is the need for continual personal confession hmm. between you and God mainly is what I'm talking about. But also there needs to be people in your life where they can ask you any question and you have decided you will not lie to them hmm. no matter what. I heard a friend tell me once that they believe you do not have accountability in your life until someone can ask you if you watch porn and you would tell them. Like that kind of level of there is no question you could ask that I would not give you an honest answer to. Um, so I have people like that in my life that we're just always kind of sharing things back and forth. And they know me well enough to know if something's up, to know if things are wrong or off. And I think we see in scripture, sin thrives in darkness and it dies in the light of community. That's really good. Yeah, I think... I fully agree with that. Accountability is huge. I think another thing is whatever your sin and struggle and temptation is, if you struggle with any sort of temptation of like some sort of physical vice, like drugs, alcohol, pornography, or sexual encounters with somebody, right? And obviously there's tons of other things we could put on that list, but those are just some of the most obvious ones. Don't put yourself in an environment where those things are handy, where they're available easily. So one thing I've talked about with younger guys, youth ministry guys, guys in their early 20s who struggle with lust is do not have a device like a phone without some sort of filter on it. Because when you have access to every horrible thing that's on the internet at any time, it's like being an alcoholic and living inside of a bar and just expecting yourself to not go drinking, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I believe that sin happens when desire and opportunity meet up at the same time. Mm. And it's very difficult to try and pull yourself away from the desire. Like that does not happen quickly, but you can pretty easily pull yourself away from the opportunity. So it, it may lead to moments where you feel like you're going mad and you feel like, you know, you want to crawl out of your skin because you want this thing that you can't have. But if you don't have the opportunity to get it, you're at the very least going to start training yourself for the idea that life is okay if I don't have this thing. You know, you can't break the diet if you don't have the junk food in your house. Yeah, so these are ways that we personally try to employ accountability, setting up roadblocks for ourselves to keep us from things that we know are bad for us. I think another one personally for me is if you're fortunate enough to be married, give your wife or your husband, who, you know, whoever's listening to this, uh, give your spouse the opportunity to critique you. Like, let them know like, hey, if you see anything in me that's sinful, if you see pride, arrogance, lust, bad attitudes, doubt, you know, the kind of doubt where you're just refusing to trust God, you know, lack of trust in God, anything. My wife knows that she has the open floor to call me out on that stuff anytime. 
And when she does, it's, it's actually really helpful because I know that she's somebody who loves me. Like I know that she's somebody who cares about me. And so she's the, she's the friend who's going to point out to me, like when I'm struggling and I don't realize it and I do the same thing for her. And so it's a way of discipleship to have people in your life who can keep you on track. It's, it's just like you said with the accountability thing, but a spouse is a more intense version of that where they, they see you at your absolute worst. <laughs> yeah. And they get a much more full picture of you than a lot of other people are going to get. So that's definitely a really good point. The last point that I think I would bring up is if your goal is to avoid sin, you will find that you are always thinking about sin. So mm. If there are areas where you have struggles, like let's say that you've identified the sin of greed in your life. Great that you found it. Great that you see that in you. Don't just tell yourself, how can I stop being greedy? Actively pursue generosity. Mm. Actively pursue the virtue that the sin is trying to twist. So if it's you know, sexuality, actively find ways to pursue purity. How mm. can you show love to people in non-sexual ways or in sexually pure ways? Pursue mm. that instead. And as you're running towards the good thing that God has for you, you will find that you are naturally running away from the dangerous thing that God is trying to save you from. Yeah, that's really good. I, I think one of the last two things I'll add is one, realize that your discipleship to Christ is a lifelong journey and understand that God is working on you and don't have the mentality where it's like, I'm just a work in progress. You know, don't treat your sin like it's cute, right? Don't treat it like, Oh, you know, God's going to eventually work this out in me. You need to actually, it's like the Bible talks about the analogy of uh, the potter and the clay. You need to submit to the potter. You can't keep rebelling against the potter. If there's an issue in your life, this is just what I've realized. If there's an issue in my life where I notice a repeated pattern of sin, I can't just say, well, eventually the sanctification process is going to work out. I've realized I need to submit to what God is doing. So I need to say, okay, this is a sin area in my life. I'm submitting to you, God. Do your work in me and show me what I need to do. And what I've noticed in my own life is when I do that, then God starts leading me towards, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to start reading books about this issue. You need to start praying specifically about this issue. You need to talk to somebody else specifically about this issue. And, and, and then by doing that, what I'm doing is I'm saying, okay, now the potter is free to work with me because I'm not fighting against him. And you might think that by just ignoring your sin and just saying, ah, oh, it's all going to work out. It's you're like, I'm not, I'm not fighting, but actually you, I think you are. If you're, if you're ignoring your sin, you're actually fighting against God's sanctification process in your life. Yeah. Whenever the Bible talks about sin, it never uses the language of ignore your sin or just try not to think about your sin. Hmm. It always uses the language of death and it, it works in two different ways. The language of death will be used for the results that sin can have in your life. Hmm. And it's used for the way that you should treat your sin. In Colossians chapter 3, it talks about putting sin to death. Mm. Not try to do this thing less, not push it slightly aside. It is treated like an enemy military that mm. you need to fight back against. That is the mindset for sin. That's really, really good. Yeah, the, the, the cheesy youth ministry analogy that I've used 
uh, that's pretty gross actually, but I think it works is if you're taking a walk in the park and you step in just a massive dog turd, like just a, a big one, right? Where it's like your shoe is now like encrusted in it and it started to like, you know what I mean? We've all seen these, right? Like, oh yeah. Where it's like really deep in the ridges of the sole of your shoe. Yeah. And it's like made its way around to the edges and yes. like maybe you got like these like gum sole vans that you're really proud of. And now <laughs> there's dog turds around the gum sole, not just as a hypothetical example and yeah. not I, something I, that happened to me once. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize to anyone watching this because I know it's a disgusting image, but that's kind of the point. If you stepped in that and it's smelling and you can see it just treading everywhere and, and just leaving marks everywhere is the proper response to just say, eh, eventually it's going to wear off over time. It's fine. I don't need to address it. No, like that, that's, that's horrible. If you're tracking that into your home and your life and it just every, everything's going to smell, everything's going to be germ infested. It's literally you will destroy your home if you walk in with those shoes. And so with sin, we need to treat it the same way. Not like, oh, you know, eventually I'll get over this. But like, oh, my gosh, there's crap on my shoes. I've got to do something about this. So the last thing I'll say is something I got from a sermon. I can't remember who, but I, I, I heard this years ago. And it's really stuck with me and it's something that I've incorporated into my own life. And so basically the idea that this preacher put out was the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But so often when we deal with sin, when I deal with sin, my natural tendency is I actually flee from the devil. When I'm faced with a temptation, oftentimes what I do is I repress that temptation and I go, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about how I'm a sinner. And I kind of like avoid it. But in psychology, what you'll learn is repressing your instincts actually kind of builds up this desire in you where then it comes back stronger later on. So this preacher was saying, why do we constantly flee from the devil when actually the Bible says to stand and resist the devil? So he threw out this idea and basically it was no matter what your temptation is, lust, you know, over drinking, whatever, whatever your, there's so many temptations, right? Whatever your temptation is, if you get hit with that temptation, instead of trying to avoid it and sweeping it under the rug, call it out for what it is. Let's just say it's lust, right? Stop and say, okay, I'm dealing with the temptation to lust because I'm a sinner and I have a lust problem. Call it out for what it is, then pray. So stand before God and say, God, I need help with this. I need help with my problem. I've got an issue here. I've got a sin. I've got this sin nature and I hate this. Please help me. And then take like five minutes at least and just pray for other friends that you know who struggle with that same issue. And his whole thing was like, you know, Satan's shooting fiery darts at you, but by standing and resisting, it's like you're catching the darts and throwing them back at him. And he was saying, by the time you've stopped and identified the problem, prayed for yourself and spent time in God's presence, praying for other people who struggle with that same sin, you're probably not going to want to do that sin anymore. You're probably going to be way more in tune with the Holy spirit. You're going to be not just like mourning over your own sin nature, but also like battling in before the throne room of God, you're battling and you're praying for your friends that are dealing with those same temptations. And so that served me well. Like that's been something where, uh, it's been really, really good for me. And, uh, I can, I can honestly say that when I have applied that technique, it works. So I'd encourage anyone else to try that.
Yeah, I think it matches with what Jesus says when he talks about that moment with the disciples where he asks them, who do you say that I am? And they say, you are the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of God. He says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm. The idea is that hell is kind of this stationary enemy. And it's not that the gates are moving forward. It's that we are fighting against that. Like, it's an offensive thing. Jesus Mm. goes and takes on death. He goes to battle it and he comes out victorious. If we are already on the winning side, then it means that we don't have to just play scared defense. We can play confident offense, knowing that we have the victory in Christ on our side. Yeah, right. And what I'm, what I totally want people to understand that I'm not saying is remember the story of Joseph that we all learned, right? Where Potiphar's wife comes and is like, lie with me, Joseph. And he runs away from her, right? Like that's, that's a model. I'm not saying if, you know, you're a dude and some girl comes up to you and is doing the Potiphar's wife thing that you need to stand there in the room and say, okay, I need to pray right now. I'm going to stay here with you and just Just start praying for her and just be like, Lord, just be with this sinful woman who's trying to tempt me. (laughs) Yeah, no, like that, that's, you need to get out of situations. It goes back to our first advice. Don't put yourselves in situations that are tempting. Remove yourself from those situations. What I mean by when I say, that we shouldn't flee from the devil isn't that we need to remove ourselves from sinful temptations. But what I am saying is actually don't just, don't just flee that situation, then turn around and actively resist the devil through prayer and through going to God for your strength. So that's, that's what I would say uh, about our strategies for fighting temptation. 